appreciate God's people. Amen. Nothing bad to say about the people of God. Isn't that right? I tell you, I appreciate the church. I, I don't want to criticize the church, and I know you don't. And I can truthfully say this. I've never went anywhere uh, to any other church or any other place or any other pastor and said anything bad about my church. Amen. And Because uh, I thank God for this place, as he said tonight. Where would we be? I mean, on a Wednesday night. Isn't it good to have church on Wednesday night? I'm glad we hadn't let COVID cause us to cancel Wednesday night services, you know. Some people never went back to it. Uh, but I thank God for Wednesday night prayer meeting, amen, and a place just to come and worship God and on Wednesday night. appreciate every song that's been sung. I want to preach a few minutes tonight from 2 Kings chapter number 3. 2 Kings chapter number 3. And I've been uh, preaching. Uh, I've been preaching out of this text uh, some places and... Um, but the, the Lord gave me a message the other day that I uh, hadn't preached, and so I want to preach it tonight. And so you pray with us and for us, if you're able to stand, Second Kings chapter number 3. And we'll, we'll pick up in verse number 10. The Bible said, And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the kings of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. But now bring, bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass, when the minstrel played, the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink both ye and your cattle and your beast. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. And you shall smite every fence city and every choice city and shall fell every good tree and stop all wells of water and mar every good piece of land with stones. Father, I pray tonight that you'd give us liberty. Help us, Lord, tonight to be a blessing to your people. I pray that you'd be honored in all that will be said and done. And we'll thank you for it tonight. For we love you and we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture that the king of Israel and Judah and Edom have all come together to meet Elisha because they're about to go and do battle against the king of Moab, but they've run out of water. There's no water for their army. There's no water for their animals. And, and so they come to Elisha here, or they, come, or they come together, and a servant tells them about Elisha. I've been preaching a little sermon uh, out uh, uh, in different places out of verse number 11 where there's that phrase, here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now, I'm not going to preach it here because uh, it has to do with the man of God, but it is interesting here that Elisha uh, was known for everything that he had done with water. He smote the waters in chapter number one, and he cured the waters and uh, the smote the waters of Jordan. Then he cured the waters of Jericho, uh, but he's not known for those things. What Elisha was known for was the fact that he poured water on the hands of Elijah. There was 
was a connection there. It proved that Elisha was trustworthy and that God had trusted him and that Elijah had trusted him. And it's because of that that Jehoshaphat says in verse number 12 that the word of the Lord is with him. In other words, if Elijah can trust this man to pour water on his hands, if he cared for the man of God that much, remember there was 50 other sons of the prophets, but none of them had poured water on the hands of the man of God, but Elisha had. And so there's that comparison that Jehoshaphat makes in verse number 12 as he says, the word of the Lord is with him. So they go down to see Elijah here, and you'll notice Elijah's, Elisha's response in verse number 13. Elisha said unto the king of Israel, what have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said, nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And so there's a response and a rebuke that Elisha gives here. In verse 14, he tells them, he says, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. Let me just stop and say this on the outset of this message. I, I never want to get on the bad side of God uh, so much that, uh, that God turns against me or God's man turns against me. Amen. I mean, a true man of God knows who the enemies of God is. Uh, and sometimes people, when they go against the man of God, they don't realize. You say, well, now, Brother Gravely, you're the man of God here and you're flesh like everybody else. I understand that tonight. I know that more than anybody in this room. But I also know this. Uh, I've lived what I'm preaching to you tonight. It's not because I'm the pastor of this church, uh, but I fear God's men because they're God's messenger. Amen. I don't want to put my hand to some preacher. I don't want to put my hand to one of God's men. You say, why? Because I've watched people get killed. I've watched people die. I've watched people go to a premature grave. And I'm sure many of you have too. It's serious business. Amen. And Elisha looks at these wicked kings here and says, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even give you the time of day. Amen. And so he gives this rebuke. But notice Elijah's, Elisha's responsibility in spite of how he feels. And that's a real man of God. A real man of God will not let his feelings get in the way of what, what is necessary. He'll live up to his responsibilities. And that's what we see Elisha doing in verse number 15 here. He says, now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass that when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. I want to say tonight, music does have its place. And music sets the mood in a service. I was preaching in a church the other day and I walked in and as I was walking in, the church was just getting ready to start and the preacher threw me a curve. I mean, just as I walk in, he said, uh, just come on up here. So we're just going to go straight to preaching. I mean, we didn't have one song. We didn't have an invite. Listen, he didn't get up and do a welcome or anything. He just said, come on up. And we just had preaching. Ah, that's good. And, and God was in that. But on the average is what I'm saying. Uh, I thank God that music gets our heart prepared. That's why it's got to be the right kind of music. Amen because here in verse number 15 Elisha knew that well I want someone to come and play a little bit here uh, play a little bit so I can get my heart in tune uh, and the Lord comes upon him and God gives him a message here he gives him a remedy in verse 16 that I want you to note tonight and it's what I want to preach on he said thus saith the Lord make this valley full of ditches 
I want you to think about that remedy. This remedy involved a proclamation. He said, thus saith the Lord. Now there's no time for these men to argue. There's no time for them to debate. There's no time for them to figure it out. God is not going to send rain down from heaven. God is going to give his message and he's going to give his word. These men do not get to choose how it's going to be done. It's going to be the way the Lord orders. And you know that's the way it is when a proclamation goes forth and God speaks to us. We don't get to choose how things are going to work out. We don't get to choose the plan of God or the will of God. I'm telling you, whatever God says, that's the orders, amen? And we're just supposed to follow orders is what we're supposed to do is just follow that proclamation. And it involved a proclamation. Notice it involves a particular place here. He said, make this valley, amen? In other words, God said, we're gonna take right where you're at. We're not sending you to higher ground. We're not sending you to better ground. Uh, but God said I'm fixing to do something but he said I'm going to do it my way and he says I'm going to do it in your place Uh, isn't that the way God works in our life Uh, he always does it his way and he always does it where we're at and so it involves a place and it involves a proclamation but here's what I want you to see in verse number 16 it involves a plan amen he said make this valley look at this full of ditches In other words, God said, I'm going to answer your request. God said, I'm going to send the water that you need and that your your army needs, that that your animals needs. But God said, I want you to make this valley full of ditches. I want to preach on this thought tonight on digging your way to victory. Digging your way to victory. If you go home later and read the rest of this chapter, that's exactly what God does. He gives them water and he gives them the victory over the Moabites. But in the process of doing that, God had a place and it was where they was at. And God had a plan. And God said, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. But God said, you've got to do something first. I'll give you the water and I'll give you the victory. But you have a responsibility. You know, in this life, that's the way it is. God has promised us victory. He's promised us the to supply every need that we would have in this life. He's promised to take care of us. He's promised to help us in the battle. But it does not give us it does not give us an easy road out. In other words, we cannot just sit down on God and say, well, he promised victory. Oh no. Sometimes, you know what you gotta do? You gotta start digging. Amen. Sometimes you gotta turn some dirt up. Sometimes you gotta dig in and sometimes you gotta dig some things out. You gotta make some ditches. You got to prepare for water. You got to prepare for God to do something in your life. Amen. I think a lot of God's people sometimes they they desperately need God to do something but they sit around just waiting for a handout from heaven. God's not going to give handouts from heaven. God wants us to to take up our responsibility. You say, preacher, I'm in a valley. This crowd's in a valley. You say, preacher, I'm discouraged. This crowd's discouraged. You say, preacher, it's not discouragement, but I'm depleted. Well, this crowd's depleted, and God is going to be faithful, and God is going to be God, but they still got to start digging. How are they going to get out of the valley they're in? How are they going to find refreshment? How are they going to win the battle? I'll tell you how they're going to do it. One shovel at a time. One shovel full at a time. 
These ditches are not going to dig themselves. God's not going to send an angel down to do it. If they really want the water, if they really want the victory, they got to dig. You know, that's the way it is in living for God. Uh, there's mountaintops and there's valleys. Uh, uh, there's high moments and there's low places in life. Uh, doesn't want me sitting around uh, feeling sorry for myself. He doesn't want me sitting around all the time uh, uh, mully grubbing about, well, I don't have this or I don't have that or this isn't going the way that I want it to go. No, uh, God said if you'll just dig, if you'll just keep on digging, uh, if, you'll, if you'll put some ditches uh, in that valley and if you'll just trust me to do what I said I would do, then God said I'll fill them ditches. You see, if we're going to experience victory, we're going to have to dig for it. So what do you mean, preacher? I mean, you have to dig in the scriptures. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Be filled with the scriptures. It's not an experience in an altar calling. I'm not saying that God can't fill a man in an altar. But what I am saying is it's not some charismatic experience where you and I just come to the altar and God hits us with a bolt of lightning and everything has changed. No, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to dig in the Scriptures. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. But his delight, the reason he's not living that way in verse 1 is because the way he's living in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Hey, you know what happened? He dug in. He dug in that book. He dug in the scriptures and he's a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, tonight if you want to have victory, dig your way to it. Just bury up in that book and dig in the scriptures. Hey, dig in the secret place. Get in that closet. Get along with God. Get a hold of the horns of the altar and stay till you pray through. Steal away somewhere and pray and get a hold of God and dig in that secret place. I'm telling you, the devil will battle you in prayer, but don't you give up. If you'll keep on digging somewhere, God will send the rain in that secret place. He'll meet with you. Hallelujah. You got to dig in the secret place. How about digging in the services? Amen. And you're doing a good job tonight, and it's Wednesday night. And but I'm preaching. I appreciate you being faithful. But you got to dig in the services. Amen. You can't just come and sit and attend. I can't just come and go through the mechanics and get a little sermon off the internet and come in here and whip something up for about 25 minutes and then go to the house. God didn't need any of that. Can I get an amen right there? I'm so glad church don't depend on no certain person tonight, other than the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who's here and who's not here. It doesn't matter if I'm here or not here. If he shows up, that's what makes it real. Amen. And my worship tonight doesn't depend on circumstances. It doesn't depend on a preacher. It doesn't depend on a personality. You say, what do you got to do? You got to go to church and worship on purpose. You got to dig in that service and make your mind up. You're going to get in it and you're going to get something out of it. Amen. Is that right tonight? I mean, some of the best services I've been in have been some of the smallest crowds. And then some of the worst services I've been in have been some of the largest crowds. And I've been in some good ones, and you have too, with large crowds and, and small crowds. But what I'm saying tonight is Jesus said where two or three are gathered together. You know, I look across this crowd tonight. We've got a good crowd for Wednesday night. And I think about churches all across this country. Now listen, they wouldn't have no more than the first four rows here tonight. 
But it doesn't make no difference if you got a full house or a, if it's a house full or a handful. I'm telling you, if God shows up, you get out of something what you put into it. Amen. I'm telling you, if you throw an amen in, if you raise your hand every now and then to the truth, if you just get involved, you'll be surprised what God will give you. If you'll stand up and give a testimony, can I say a good positive testimony? If you'll magnify Jesus, don't magnify the devil, don't magnify the flesh, don't magnify problems, but exalt the Savior, lift his name up. You say, what's happening? Well, preacher, I don't feel nothing. I'll tell you something about a testimony. It ain't always, it ain't always about what you feel. And sometimes you just got to get up, look the devil right square in the eyes, and just dig in and say, God is good, whether I feel anything or not. You say, what are they doing? Just digging their way to victory, just going ahead and saying, I'm going to go ahead and dig some ditches out and magnify and glorify his name and wait for him to fill it up. Hallelujah. Woo, praise God. Man, I'm telling you, there's been some times I started out preaching, Brother Danny, and I didn't feel like preaching, but I just kept on digging, amen. I just kept on digging. And I tell you, somewhere along the way, I tell you, dig long enough and dig far enough, he'll send the rain, and out of nowhere comes a gully washer. I mean, it'll just fill your soul and flood your soul. Dig your way to victory, hallelujah. I'm talking about digging the service, digging the sermons, amen. Don't ever sit there like a knot on a log. Don't ever go to sleep. Don't ever get your mind on something through the week. I mean, set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. Dig into that message and say, dear God, I need something tonight, amen. I need something, don't you? You know what I found out about church? And it's true about reading your Bible. It's true about any of the work of God or the things of God. If you'll come seeking, you'll never leave disappointed. I'm telling you, God will always give you something if you'll come seeking. And I don't want anything or anyone or anybody to ever keep me from seeking when I come to church. I get up to preach. I'm going to tell you something. I'm on the hunt. Somebody say amen. You say, what are you hunting? I'm hunting for one of them ditches to get full. It might be point number one. It might be, I've never been a preacher. Uh, last Sunday, I had two more points and didn't finish it. Uh, but you know, I've never been a preacher. Say, well, I got to get to the end of that sermon. No, I tell you, I'm just looking for where the water's going to channel through at, amen? And wherever it comes in, hey, if it comes in on point number one, uh, we don't necessarily need the rest of that. Uh, we just want to get in the flow where the water is a coming, amen? Uh, where God's a blessing, uh, and where there's victory at tonight, that's where we need to be at. Amen. I'm talking about tonight. Where is the help coming from? It's coming from the very word of God. That's where it's going to come from. And when we get to verse number 17, I want you to notice three little things here tonight and we'll be done. I want you to see the provision concerning them digging their way to victory. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water. And ye may drink both ye and your cattle and your beast. I notice in this provision, the first thing God talks about is the subtraction. He said, for thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water. 
God said, I'm going to send the water. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. It's not coming through the natural elements of what we would normally think it would be. You're not, you know, when a rain comes in, you can feel that wind starting to pick up before it gets there. I mean, you can see, you can see the wind starting to blow and then it's shortly after that, here comes the rain. But God said, when this water comes, he said, I'm going to take all that away. You're not going to see rain. That's probably how they expected that water would come. It's how it would normally come. And so if they'd have dug those valleys out and the rain would have come down, uh, somebody said, well, that would have just been a coincidence. Uh, I mean, Elisha didn't really predict that. It was just going to rain. Uh, God said, there's going to be no wind. God said, there's going to be no rain. Uh, but you just start digging. He said, there's going to be a fountain of water coming. Uh, and God said, I'm going to subtract all the natural elements from this water of how it would come, the provision of it. Then there's a supernatural. He said in this verse, yet that valley shall be filled with water. I will tell you tonight, God knows how to provide for us in supernatural ways. He knows how to sin. I mean, think about it tonight. Hadn't there been times in your life when God refreshed your spirit, revived your soul, and it came in an unlikely manner. It came at an unlikely time. It even came in an unlikely place. You wasn't expecting it, but just out of nowhere, God gave you a verse, or God let somebody say something, or somewhere's God just flooded. You just filled your ditch full of water and flooded your soul when you least expected it. Amen? You know what that is tonight? That's the supernatural. Amen? I'm telling you, that's God doing it in such a manner that only he could get glory for it. That it would not be the hands of man. Though man had the responsibility to dig. There's one thing. Man couldn't send the water. And friend, we can dig and we can work and we can do. But only God can give us what we need. I see the provision. I see the subtraction of this provision. The supernatural in this provision. But notice in verse 17, the satisfaction in this provision. He said, you may drink both ye and your cattle and your beast. When God sends the water, when God sends the provision, guess what? He don't leave anybody out. You might be here tonight and say, why is it so important that I apply this sermon? Because there's others around us that needs it tonight. You know, every young person in this building needs all of us as adults to keep on digging. If we adults quit tonight, what's going to happen to them? If we drop our convictions and our standards, if we, if we lose our consecration and dedication, if we go the way of the, the world and we compromise tonight and, and we just give in, I've seen, I've seen people do that and you have too. When their children are small, they strand, stand tall and they stand strong. But then when they become teenagers or late teens, oftentimes they fold like a tent and they change everything they've ever stood for and somehow they'll say, well, I didn't want to lose them. Well, you lost them the very second you caved in. You lost them the very second you gave in. You say, well, what do you do whenever they're in a battle like that? I'll tell you what you do. You just keep on digging, friend. You just keep on standing. You just keep on doing what you've always done. You just keep on digging. You say, they may not like it. That may be true. I'll tell you the supply spiritually of what they need depends upon you and I tonight. We must dig the valley out. We must dig the ditches so that God can fill them up tonight. The provision is the fact that it satisfies everyone that was in the valley. You know, we're, we're here tonight and we're enjoying this service and thank God for people that have been faithful all these years. 
Maybe you're here tonight and you say, I've only been a member here five years or or 10 years. You know why you're enjoying the presence and the goodness of God? Because somebody labored before. Somebody kept on digging. You know, you people come in sometimes and they see a church and they think it's always been that way. But Danny, it ain't always been this way. That's not to say it was bad the other way. But what I'm telling you is uh, there is somebody kept, uh, somebody dug before me. Somebody dug before you. There was hard times. Uh, there was things that we, you'll never know about because you wasn't here. But somebody kept digging. They didn't throw in the towel. They didn't go join another church down the road. They had longevity in some church membership. They weathered some hard times and storms. Why? So that others could come along and my friend reap the same provision. I thank God for people and I know I'm preaching to the Wednesday night crowd and thank God you're here thank God you're dug in thank God you're staying faithful hey listen you can't build a church on morning glory somebody say amen isn't that right I appreciate people that come on Sunday morning at least they're coming but the fact is you can't build a church on them you gotta have people that'll just dig in Hey, when things are good, don't you thank God for people that'll dig in? But I'll tell you what I appreciate, when things aren't so good. When somebody's stirring the devil up in the church, I thank God for people that'll just dig in and say, I'm with the man of God. I'm with the book of God. I'm with the presence of God. I'm with the word of God. I see the provision. Then I notice the power. Look at verse 18. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hands. The power of God in this verse, His power is assured. As the Lord says, this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. God said, I want you to know that you need water and you can't get water. Your army needs it. All your animals need water. But God said, I want you to know that this is not a hard thing. It may be a big thing to y'all, but it's not a big thing to him. He said, I want you to know it's not a big thing to me. I can send this water. This is but a light thing uh, to do this. I can do it in an unnatural way. I can do it in a supernatural way. And it's still a light thing. Isn't that good to know tonight that whatever's big, to me. Thank God it's not big to him tonight. He's got more power. He can do this. It is but a light thing. Any problem that I have, any provision that I'm lacking tonight, I'm telling you God's got the power. He can send the supply. He can meet the need. He can listen, he can bring down the blessing anytime, anywhere, any way he wants to tonight. God is not bound. You and I are limited tonight, but we serve an unlimited God. His power is assured it is but a light thing. You see, the need doesn't matter to him tonight. The number, how big, how big this army was, it didn't matter to him tonight. The nature of how it was going to come did not matter to him. I'm sure all the negativity didn't matter to him. Don't you know there's some people that when they went back and said, now here, God said he's going to send water. I'm sure there must have been a sigh of relief go across this army. Thank God he's going to send us water. But he said, hold on a second. We all got to get shovels and start digging for it. I'm sure there's probably somebody in that crowd said, wait, I don't like this idea at all. 
Why can't God just send the rain and us set a bucket out there? Why we got to dig ditches? Why, why we got to work so hard? You ever heard people say that? I tell you, I want a good church, but why we got to do it this way? We want to have a good meeting, but why we got to do it this way? We want to have a lot of missionaries uh, and we want to support missions around the world, but why we got to do it this way? Because that's the way God said to do it. Uh, and if you want water, you got to do it His way. You can't do it your own way. And God doesn't care about the negativity. God said this is the way it's going to be. I'm I'm telling you, if you're going to live for God, you can't listen to negative people. You just got to keep on going and keep on digging and leave all that behind. Amen. You just got to be faithful. You just got to keep digging those ditches because sooner or later, you know what God's going to do? He's going to fill every single one of them up and it's going to lead to a victory. Hallelujah in their life. The power, his power is assured. It's available. It's announced. He said in this verse here, and he will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. It's a light thing for God to give us victory over the enemy. Think about it tonight. We have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And these tonight are the enemies of the cross. And tonight our victory does not depend upon us. If we'll just make a way, if we'll just make preparation, God said, I'll fight the battle for you and I'll give you the victory. Tonight I see the provision, the power, but then notice the plan, verse 19. Ye shall smite every fenced city and every choice city and shall fell every good tree and stop all wells of water and mar every good piece of land with stones. You see, God said this to them in verse 17. He said, I'm going to give you the provision that you need. But he said in verse number 19, he said, I have a plan and my plan is I don't want you to leave a stone unturned. I don't want you to leave anything left behind. He said, I want you to annihilate everything in the path. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that's a divine plan. It's a very definite plan. God was very detailed in that plan. He gave it to them very clearly. God said, I'll give you what you need, but you need to follow my instructions. You know, tonight when it comes to the enemy, we don't need to leave a stone unturned. Friend, when it comes to the flesh, you can't, you can't play around with the flesh tonight. You've got to crucify this flesh. I have to crucify it. Put it on the cross. Paul said, I die daily. To be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with the Scriptures. But we have to crucify our flesh. We, we have to reckon ourselves to be dead. Romans 6 and 7 and 8 tells us to, to be alive. We have to yield our, our members of righteousness. Uh, we have to yield to, or yield to members of righteousness and yield to God if we want God's power in our life. And God said if you'll do that, you can defeat this enemy. When you cut something out of your life tonight and when I cut it out of my life, just like, you know, the Moabites were cousins to the nation of Israel. They were born out of the loins of Lot in that awful sin in Genesis chapter 19. As he was in a cave drunken with his two daughters. The Moabites are a picture of the flesh. They hated the people of God. And tonight my flesh hates everything that's got anything to do with God. And there's no way to have total victory tonight unless I just... Don't leave a stone unturned. Don't give the flesh an inch because the flesh is just like the devil. It'll take a mile. Brother Allen, I've said this the other day. Somewhere it might have been here. But if I heard him say it once, I heard him say it a thousand times probably. He said, as Christians, we ought to pray that opportunity, opportunity and temptation never meet each other. 
And I think that's a good prayer to pray. Because if opportunity and temptation ever meet, then we're in real trouble. Tonight we have to guard against our flesh. Don't let yourself be, and I'm not, I should not let myself be in a situation that I don't need to be in. Y'all with me tonight? Accountability at all times, in all places, just to keep us. You say, well, preacher, you don't trust yourself. Not at all. The Bible says put no confidence in the flesh tonight. I want to tell you how wicked this flesh is. This flesh tonight would do things that you and I would never imagine we would do if we left it to you. You say, what do you do? You got you to you crucify it tonight. As they come and get us a song ready, that's how you have victory. You got to dig for it. You know why people live defeated lives? Simply put, I'm talking about saved people tonight. You know why they live defeated lives? Because they choose to. We have a Bible. We have the Holy. We have the Bible to instruct us. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us. We have the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. And tonight, if you and I will just obey, if we want to live in victory, we can live in victory tonight. I'm not telling you every day that I hit the mark, but I do know where the mark is because the Bible gives a clear defi- definition of that mark. I want to live a victorious Christian life, don't you? And you can live in victory. God wouldn't ask us to do something we couldn't do. We just have to die. We just have to dig. You know, you may be here tonight. You may have a burden. You may have a problem. Oh, don't quit praying. Keep on digging. Don't give up. Keep on digging. Don't get slack in Sunday school. Keep on digging. Don't, don't miss church because of your burdens. You keep on digging. You keep on going. You put one foot in front of the other. You say, why, preacher? Because you dig long enough. You dig far enough. Somewheres along the way, maybe in a service or maybe a morning devotion somewheres, God's going to fill that ditch full of water. He's going to refresh your soul as we stand tonight. If you need to come, we'll sing a verse or two of this old hymn. And if you need to come tonight, you obey God while we sing.